Slap Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, guys, tonight we've got uh, some women's hoops to talk about. We've got some lacrosse to talk about. We've got some softball to talk about. Um, we've got some news and notes from week two of the XFL. But uh, we do need to get started here uh, talking women's hoops because um, after a nail-biter of a game against Nebraska on Sunday, a game that uh, my daughter and I went to, uh, the Cats came out tonight as we record this on Wednesday night and just mopped the floor with the number one defensive team in the Big Ten, Rutgers, uh, put, putting up 82. 82, yeah. We, we still got to talk about that Michigan, Michigan game from last week as well. Um, cause that happened, that was the night after we recorded, uh, last week. And that, you know, that was a game where the Cats were down. They had to, like, like a really epic comeback. Yeah, so the it's funny you've between the three games, you've got Northwestern having a tough game against a strong team in Michigan, and we talked about this. You know, we were I think because you were tweeting this out at the time. We've beat we have two wins against a Michigan team that is very good and is going to go to the NCAA tournament. Um, that's a good team. And they were just ready and gave us a great game. And it was a tight game. And we pulled it out down the stretch. And then Nebraska came to town. And that line, I mean, the, the stat line Northwestern put up in that game was so atrocious that the fact that we won that game almost reaffirms our dominance in like a really weird way. Like it's like if we can beat anyone playing the way we played that night um watch out and you know just to tie it all together loosely the this game against Rutgers was the perfect you know completion of that because you have Lindsey Pulliam who again the whole team other than Veronica Burton was an offensive wasteland against Nebraska but Lindsey well Jordan Ro- Hamilton uh, did uh, chip in with 10 off the bench so that was that was clutch and a, and a key, and a key triple right at the end for mm-hmm. sure and i mean of the of the starters anyway right for sure but polium who never lost her i mean we it's funny we've talked about this she will never see a shot that she doesn't like regardless of how many haven't fallen and shooters shoot and thank goodness she did keep shooting in that Nebraska game because the last shot was the huge one. And that's, you know, she made the last one the one that counted. And then, despite the fact, I mean, it just goes to show someone like Pulliam is at this talent level where you're kind of, regardless of what you do at this point, you're kind of at the whim of where she's at on a given night. And Rutgers, this awesome defensive team, didn't get the Nebraska Lindsay Pulliam. They got the other Lindsay Pulliam and that Lindsay Pulliam eviscerated them. And you just like her shot is such a thing that when it's falling, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Lindsay Pulliam can get her own shot when she wants to get it. When she's on, like there's not much you can do. And that's the Lindsay Pulliam that Rutgers got. And I mean, we've seen these Burton Pulliam, um, duo games stack up um what was it was it was it against michigan where, where yeah was that was Penn- that was when she hit 32 yeah um the you know they're capable of putting up these monster combined stat lines they went for 50 against Rutgers, and they're it's just one of those things they were polium was so off against polium was so off against nebraska but when she's on and there's she, not much you can do she was off against michigan too i mean she was one for ten against Michigan. So uh, two games of just ice cold polium. Um, but you know, the rest of the team stepped up. I mean, Michigan, Abby Scheid, 14 points, Sydney Wood, 14 points, Abby Wolf, 13 points, Veronica Burton, 13 points. Um, so the scoring came from everywhere else. Nebraska was just weird. I mean, just the whole team just shot so poorly, 28% uh, from the floor uh, for the entire game. And, you know, Nebraska shot 43%. Um, you know, the fact that they only Nebraska only shot four for 13 in the fourth quarter, that 
open the door for the cats to come back and uh and get that w there but so, you know, tonight against rutgers everyone was hitting i mean just 58 percent shooting from the floor yeah versus oh 20 versus 28 percent against against nebraska you know yeah. right it, it, it doubled it so something that's interesting here and and i i I tend to, to always fall back on this, right? Like the storyline from game to game, that Michigan game where Northwestern was was trailing the the, the vast majority of that game. I think it was um, maybe midway through the second half, uh, or it was in the third quarter. Like like the Cats just really ratcheted ratcheted down on defense in the third quarter and uh, kind of shut Michigan down there uh and 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 regained the lead like midway through the third quarter but it was it was still tight down the wire like Michigan just did a really good job they they targeted Lindsay they were all over her all game um you know they brought their physical play to the cats Abby Wolf had a much better game the second time around against Michigan and that really showed up defensively against Michigan's bigs but they still scored a lot uh down low um their guard Johnson uh, put up 15 points and, and did a lot of her damage in the second half. So that like that was a really solid game. Um, but the nature of that of that of that win to 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 get it by by six, but for it to be really close down the stretch. I mean, it was it was tied in the fourth quarter with three minutes to go, and then the Cats um, were able to to uh, pull away. But Michigan had several possessions down one score right um, with the opportunity to tie it. It just didn't come through for them. So, I mean, that certainly felt like not an escape, I would say, but it was the biggest remaining test of Northwestern's schedule being at Michigan. Um, it was easily, you know, the toughest opponent outside of Maryland that the Cats had played uh, in the last two months. And it is natural for any college team. We talk about this all the time in football with, with letdown games and trap games, and that sort of thing across the spectrum. It is it is. There's no doubt in my mind that the team breathed the collective sigh of relief, came back home against Nebraska, and against the inarguably the worst of these three teams, Nebraska, um, really struggled to to find themselves and get the momentum. And I, I mean, you mentioned it, like Burton kind of willed Northwestern back into that game, uh, and 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 got them across the finish line down the stretch uh, with some, like you mentioned, Sam, some assistance from Jordan Hamilton, but. Um, that was a really, really tough game. And then, and then I think, you know, the realization, like, damn it, we got to put the pedal to the metal. We, we cannot slow down and dropping the absolute hammer on Rutgers tonight and 18 and 17 that the cats did whatever they wanted against. Um, one thing I wanted to point out, I noted this on Twitter before the game, uh, this Northwestern team now has 23 wins that ties, um, the 2014, 2015 team that, um, that featured Nia coffee that went, uh, deep in the, um, or that lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament that matches their win total. And I believe I, I, I can't exactly confirm this cause I haven't found a definitive list, but I believe the high watermark for Northwestern ever is 24 wins that came from the big 10 championship team in 1990. So the Cats have a chance next game to tie the high watermark for wins for this program ever. It is insane. And it's also insane that the last time we talked, Northwestern was ranked nine spots below the Maryland Terrapins. And after all these three games that we've talked about, a a game against a great Michigan team, a game against a better Rutgers team, and this miracle win against Nebraska – we're now ranked two spots lower behind Maryland than we were before. We went up in the polls, but we're 11 spots behind Maryland. Who, again, I hate to keep harping on this. Sam and I were in the building when we throttled that team. Uh, annihilated them. A game that was never close at any point. We're a half game back of Maryland because they've played one more game than we have. We have a better overall record than Maryland does, and they're seventh, and we're 18th. Um, and again, it just keeps getting more and more annoying. Um, I would imagine Iowa kind of feels the same way, but Iowa has one more conference loss than we do. Um, and I don't know. It's, it's just dumb. There's a really good chance right now that Maryland and Northwestern both win out. Um, and if they do, I would hope that that gap is going to start to shrink a little bit. I wouldn't hold your breath on that. I mean, I, I, it feels like the national narrative is 
Maryland is very good, and no one knows what to think about Northwestern. Um, we finish off the regular season Saturday at Wisconsin, 11 a.m. tip. Uh, catch that on BTN Plus and listen to it on NUR. Uh, Tuesday, the 25th, uh, 5 p.m. tip at Ohio State. That's going to be on Big Ten Network, uh, so anyone will be able to watch that one. And then the uh, the regular season finale at home on Leap Day, 1 p.m. tip, uh, Senior Day against Illinois, also on Big Ten Network. So two of the last three games uh, you can watch from the comfort of your couch, uh, and I cannot recommend enough that you do so. These, these ladies are so much fun to watch. Well, hold on. Uh, I need to get on a soapbox here. Please do. So that game against Illinois. Yeah. It's senior night. You should go. Um, people, get your ass to Welsh Ryan. Hey, Northwestern Athletics, get some goddamn buses out there. Pick up the students, get them to Welsh Ryan. Let's give this squad the celebration and the support and the atmosphere that they so very much deserve. Um, I saw somebody, uh, I saw Inside NU tweeted tonight, they were pretty disappointed that there were no game day shuttles to get um, anybody up to the games tonight. At, at this stage, it's inexcusable. You you have to celebrate the hell out of this team because they are truly special. And um, I don't know if anybody's listening from the athletic department. I, we tweeted at them earlier tonight, but um, I really hope that they're that they're uh, all in on planning something special for that game on two twenty nine. And I hope everybody who who possibly can in the Chicagoland area gets up there to, to support and celebrate this team and send them into the postseason right. And then uh, on to the Big Ten tournament. I mean, it seems pretty much a guarantee that we got the double buy at this point, right? I mean, it, obviously there's still three games left to play, but we are in you know great shot if for if not the one seed, then then definitely the two seed, right? Or maybe the three? Or where are we? Where are we on that? It's that's for sure. I mean, the really interesting thing I think to see will be how things shake out between Northwestern, Iowa, Indiana. I think Maryland is very likely going to get that one seed. And the question is, if Northwestern is the two seed, um, is it like, does Iowa win out from here? And, you know, would we have a path where we would have to face Iowa? Personally, just because, again, Iowa had our number in that one game, um, I would just as soon avoid the Hawkeyes if we could in the tournament. But I think, you know, if we would get, if we were to get the one, that would probably be the most likely way to get it. But Maryland would have to drop a game and it doesn't seem like they're interested in doing that. Iowa has a little bit of breathing room between then and and Indiana right now, but we don't exactly know what's going to shake out, but, but that would be interesting. It would be nice to have a scenario where we didn't have to go through Iowa and Maryland in the tournament, but I'm sure this, this cats team will tell you that they'll take all comers, but that's just me. I think this team destroys Iowa the next time they play them. Um, if they play them, uh, but yeah, I mean, you're right. The two seed is, we're almost a lock for the two seed at this standpoint. I mean, the idea of I forget who who Maryland plays, but their schedule is ludicrously easy, e- far easier than ours. Um, I think they have Wisconsin and Purdue. Wisconsin, and Purdue, think. and Minnesota. Yeah, I, I or no, mean, they play. They, they all they have left are Purdue and Minnesota. Yeah, per, okay, per, Purdue and Minnesota. Yeah, I mean it's 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 laughable. Um, Iowa, Iowa does have to go to the rack um, on their that's their last game of the season, so. There is a, so like that's that could potentially bolster a case of Northwestern losing and still keeping that two seed. Iowa like there's definitely a chance Iowa could take another L. So yeah, the order as it stands right now is very likely what it's going to be. So I you know that's that'll be fun. We'll see what happens. I mean, like the tournament is a classic time for for teams to get upset, and maybe Iowa gets upset. I hope we don't get upset. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what plays out. What's what I'm more interested in is is for for the NCAA tournament because right now the ESPN still has us as a four seed. I'm not sure how many people have, have updated their brackets, but you know you know that RPI is a bigger factor than whatever the AP poll says, and you know that um, you know top 50 wins are important. I don't know how many top 50 wins the Cats have at this stage. The two wins over Michigan are pretty huge at this standpoint. Same with Indiana. Um, but the fact that they're number 12 in the RPI would presumably put them on the three line. 
uh, not the four line. And you got to think that if they win out and then show up well in the Big Ten tournament, they've got a chance to to boost that RPI even a little bit higher. Um, you know, maybe they're even able to to, to score a two seed uh, in the NCAA if if, if they win I mean, if they win the Big Ten tournament or um, if they win if the Big they, Ten tournament. If they sure, win the Big yeah. Tournament Ten tournament, a two seed is going to happen. That's you're absolutely right. They would take it right away from Maryland. Um, that's a long way off, but I mean, it's crazy though. To your to your point, a realistic scenario: if Northwestern wins out, wins their first game, and then loses after that to say an Iowa or you know a Maryland, they'd be twenty seven and four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like good God, like this is where this team is right now. Um, there, it's just, it's just yeah, just one more time. Enjoy it because you don't get to see teams this good that often. I will just throw a, a little bit of warning. Ohio State is 10 and 5, 17 and 9 overall. So they are fifths and we do have to go out to Columbus. So, I mean, we can't assume three wins here, even though, you know, Wisconsin, Illinois are, are the bottom of the conference. Um, Ohio State is, is something to be reckoned with. I mean, they are, you know, number five in the standings as, as we sit right now. So, and something to something we'll look at next week. Um, but yeah, this weekend at Wisconsin and then on Tuesday at Ohio State. And uh, we'll be back to, to chat after those two games. And then we'll uh, see where things go for senior night and uh, go from there. Should we talk about the men a little bit? A little bit. A little bit. Um, I think it's not, not a whole lot new to say, honestly. Yeah, one thing I do just want to bring up because it was one of the first things we talked about during this game is um, I don't think we ever tweeted anything out, but this was a discussion that we had had, uh, I think, midweek at some point, um, which was basically along the lines of, you know, again, you can parse stats a couple of different ways, but Northwestern only has six wins on the season. And in three of those wins, Ryan Young was the leading scorer on the team. Now, you might say, okay, but that was early on in the season, etc. It was early on in the season. But there are a couple things that are weird about that. One, Ryan Young was the leading scorer against Providence, which remains arguably Northwestern's biggest win on the season. Um, and secondly, Ryan Young was the leading scorer for Northwestern against Maryland. And prior to that, in I think the eight games leading up to that game, we had had six different leading scorers, and none of them were Ryan Young. And there was a time when we were like, if we win this game and Ryan Young is the leading scorer, that would be as big an indictment of the coaching staff as anything. Um, and for the briefest of moments, it looked like that was going to be in play. Um, and then, you know, Marilyn remind you, reminded us all why they're a national title dark horse. And... Down the stretch, it really wasn't so much Northwestern playing poorly as Maryland was just absolutely locked in. I mean, that's a that's a absolutely terrifying team when they're going on all cylinders and they're the class of the conference. But watching Young out there at those times when he flashes what is some really impressive athleticism, this kind of un like he this unpolished gem of raw size and athleticism out there that's like looking to find his way and you see it and you're like good god if nothing else this team should be leaning into what he gives you so hard to try to find a way to build a team around it and make it a big part of things and seeing the kind of performance that he put up in the Maryland game just kind of calls everything that's happened from that Providence game to this Maryland game into question a little bit. Well, it's and it's so frustrating because, like early on in the non-con season, as we were losing to to teams that I shall not mention, in part because I've forgotten who all them all of them were. Hartford is the one I think comes to mind most, but um, like I, I a a Hartford, resounding Radford. 
Merrimack. I, I, I didn't want to remember Sam. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, but thank you. Um, but a, a resounding critique that, that has been laid out by just about everyone on this coaching staff, and, and it's come to fruition in, in the late game collapses, is their lack of an, of an offensive structure and game plan. It's almost Macaulayan in its, in its failure to adjust and adapt and, and find ways to get player shots. And the lack of an ability to keep Ryan Young engaged and involved and even to give him, you know, the opportunity to demonstrate that he's having an off night before, before shelving him. Um, it just, it seems to belie just a lack of offensive strategy and it's, it's, um, it's really un- unfortunate. I, I like, I don't know. I don't know how, what else to call it. Um, and if there's anything that is a, a sharp indicator to me of, of what should be heat on Chris Collins, chair, it's, it's the failures to, um, to have an offensive scheme that works. And I, you know, we, we thought when he came in, like Carmody was all, it was all about the system. It was all about the, the, the Princeton offense and, and his, innovative um defenses and uh you know really good really good ability to draw plays in key moments of games right like that 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 was his strong suit and we thought collins was going to come in with a dramatically better recruiting pedigree which yes check um a uh a much more player i don't want to say friendly but um an an approach that was going to appeal to higher end talent particularly like not a rigid system like the Princeton. And also, I, I mean, I think early on he said, yeah, we're going to run. We're going to go fast, like like almost dukeify it, right? And that's not been possible, I think, predominantly because of the talent. Um, and the Big Ten is just a different conference than, than the ACC, too. But, uh, like, I, I think we're almost struggling from a similar perspective of the structure that he's put in place is, is too rigid and then it's, it's not allowing them to, um, to really find the right guy on the right night and, uh, and, and enable offensive success. They're not putting these guys in the right, in the right, in the right place for opportunity. And that, you know, we kind of go back to the, well, all right, let's give Nance seven shots. And, and I, and I know, I know it doesn't quite, you don't map it out quite like this way in advance. Right. But we're, you know, let's give Nance seven shots and, let the guards take some shots and maybe we'll get the ball to Ryan young. Uh, And I just like, that just seems backward to me. Exactly. And I think you can look at boo booey and Miller cop and set it off and say, okay, so Miller cop, clearly he's been the guy who's thrown on the mantle of number one offensive option, even though a lot of times that means just getting his own shot. And then you have boo booey who is trying to do the same thing with a much less amount of success. But the fact is combined those two guys together are shooting less than 40% from the field. And again, Cop is trying to do a lot of it and Bowie's trying to do a lot of it. But to your point, Scuzz, that's because so much of the offense is just, okay, you guys try to create and we'll see what happens. Whereas a guy like Young depends on someone like working the ball into him, right? Like running a system being like, okay, we're going to look to isolate you down low, get you the ball. I bring this up because Ryan Young's shooting almost 57% from the floor. And on one hand, you're like, well, big men tend to shoot higher percentages. Yeah, but he's the number four leading scorer on the team. Um, He's scoring less points per game. Here's like one way to put it. He's attempted 36 less shots than Boo Booey has, despite the fact that Boo Booey has missed a giant portion of this season. And Ryan Young is third on the team in total minutes played. And that 57% field goal percentage number for Ryan Young is a number you should be kicking the tires on. Like, that's a number to be like, let's give him 50% more shots a game and see if that number holds constant. And guess what? It did hold constant against Maryland. Now, Ryan Young, if you've been watching the games, is a little bit of a defensive liability. He's young, he's still trying to figure things out, and he's an enormous body that's getting moved around the floor. But guess what? We're not competing for a Big Ten title here. There's not a lot going with these games, game to game. You've got a guy out there who is this massive potential thoroughbred guy. Um, High energy, some real athleticism, and, you know, that just he needs to be polished up. And it's just like, 
to see a game like this come out of nowhere and then to be like, how is there not a system? Like, right, to your point, how is it not, all right, X amount of touches, get Ryan Young down there and, and let's try to put the ball in the hole and just see if that improves him and then if the team follows. And it's like, right, to your point, based on everything we've seen so far, next game he may attempt three shots. Um, and that's just where we are right now. Uh, so coming up for the men, uh, we got Sunday afternoon at home against Minnesota, uh, February 27th, a Thursday night at seven o'clock home against Illinois. Then they travel to Nebraska and Wisconsin on March 1st and 4th, uh, before finishing off the regular season at home against Penn State on March 7th. Um, then turn right around on play the opening weekend of the Big Ten tournament probably lose that and then go home and see what happens from there. Um I, you, I I mean, do you guys feel good about us winning any of those games? Like what like what's the most likely one? I don't even know. Maybe Nebraska. Nebraska? It's Nebraska. Oh, yeah, 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 because we beat them once before. Right? Nebraska right, and Nebraska and maybe Wisconsin. I mean, Illinois, we played them really tight the first time on the road. Um and, you know, you're sort of indirectly to the same kind of point you made about the women like Illinois is a big game. It's always a big game. So, um, yeah, I mean, like for sure there are winnable games in this stretch. We also could easily lose all five. Like there's no doubt about, and again, it's like, hate to keep harping on this, but we're ticking ever closer. The Carmody, the Carmody clock is ticking here. Um, Collins will be a worse percentage coach than Bill Carmody at Northwestern if they do lose out. So, um, there's that weird thing too, but I, I'd much rather see, I mean, yeah. Get a win against Illinois, and suddenly you have two lower tier teams in Nebraska and Wisconsin. And you put a little streak together; that would be pretty nice. I mean, these guys uh, have worked I, hard I would, enough. I to... wouldn't call Wisconsin lower tier. They are nine and six in the conference. Yeah, whiskey, yeah, overall. that's true. Whiskey and Illinois are top six in the conference. Penn State, that's you know, right. obviously number two, having quite a season. That's right. I didn't. I'm... I didn't realize. I knew Nebraska was was bad. I didn't realize Minnesota was the third worst team um, in the conference. So yeah, we, I mean, we got we got. Two legitimately winnable games um, in Minnesota, Nebraska, but um, winnable ish, yeah, right. ish, yeah. And again, it's like these. Collins brought it up, I think, in the post game press conference, and we've talked about this before. That he's like the players. The players have been like keeping us positive. And I, first of all, I was like, well, that's kind of concerning when you phrase it that way. But, um, yeah, it is. But his, but his Ugh. point, but his point, you know, was that these guys have been staying as upbeat as they possibly can. And you see that. I mean, these guys are, they're playing high energy and they really want these wins. This team is not given over to any kind of malaise. It's just, they're not being put in much of a position to succeed. And we've talked forever about the guard stuff and, it's just they're just so far behind the eight ball. Uh, let's move on. Um, talk a little lacrosse. Um, Cats have their first loss of the season at home against Notre Dame, a team that came in at number six and left at number two. Uh, Notre Dame sitting at number two in the con- in the country. Uh, the Cats uh, dropped from three to six uh, after. Coming back, avenging the six, the seventeen fifteen loss to Notre Dame by uh, laying the smackdown on Arizona State twenty eight to twelve. So that Notre Dame game was just it was back and forth the whole way. It, it never seemed like one team could pull away from the other. Notre Dame got a, a little bit of a lead and then just sort of was able to keep it. Um, just you know, back and forth the whole way. You know, tip your hat to I, I didn't realize how good Notre Dame was. I didn't realize like they came out of that game and moved up to number two. Um so, you know, begrudgingly tip your cap to Notre Dame if you have to. But uh yeah, I mean to to come back from that and really turn on that offense and you know beat up on Arizona State definitely makes you feel a little bit better. Yeah, I so I was digging into the the stats on that Notre Dame game, and it's it's tough because it was so close. Uh, ba- basically, every statistic, uh, with with the exception of one, was a toss up. That was ground balls. Northwestern really dominated ground balls, but shots, turnovers, uh, draw controls, free position shots, all neck and neck. And ND just they put in two more than the Cats did. You know that their shooting percentage was just 
just enough better um to 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 get away with that game and um it's 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 tough because I think you know we we all saw that rating uh, or that ranking on North on Northwestern's name going into the season and and we know how they performed down the stretch last year in the NCAA tournament and we were like oh man this is and and I their opportunity to to go on a run and have a great season is yeah. is in no way diminished by this game that's not what I'm trying to say not at but all. I think it, this it, is this is you lose to a good a good team and you know you can't you know pack it in from there. Yeah, and I think I think to me this is just this is just the reality check on how competitive women's lacrosse has gotten um, in the years since Northwestern dominated it. Uh, you know when it was when it was you know Duke, Maryland, North Carolina, and the Cats, and and that was kind of you know the list. Um, and there are just so many other really good teams and programs as as the sport has blossomed and grown across the country. So um, the Cats, you know, certainly. Seeing seeing them dominate Arizona State, uh, they they owned draw controls. Um, the the offense, uh, Izzy Skane, Lauren Gilbert, they've they've been, you know, really good. Maybe not as advertised. I think I think the the Notre Dame score was a little less than we we maybe would have expected otherwise. But um, I you know at the same time I think we probably also haven't given enough credence to the fact that this team is finding their way without Selena Lasota uh, for the first time this year. Um, and that is uh, that's a big deal, and and the fact that they that they have looked, you know, so good and been right there, uh, you know, beating Duke, uh, taking Notre Dame to the wire as they're as they're getting used to life without their superstar from the last four years. That's that's a big deal, for sure. And to your point, I mean, it's good to see the names at the top of the scoring list are the names that you would expect. It's Skane, Gilbert, and McCone, like trying to take that mantle. And it is pretty funny. I you know, it's cool to notice sitting there at number seven in, I think, total points for the Cats on the season. Dylan Amante playing for her aunt. Um, I think this, you know, her first year on the team now, Tony Amante's daughter, um, is pretty cool. So that's, but I mean, you've got the, you know, three of the big names that we've, they're all very familiar with, you know, leading the way. And it's something we're going to be getting into on softball in a little bit. It's, it's funny because one of the things I think we're going to be getting to talk about with softball is the rigors of the early season that the ladies have played in the softball. And then you go to lacrosse, and to what you were saying, it's like all the top 10 teams all play each other at the start of the season. And it's like ridiculous. Like that Notre Dame team, like they're the number two team, like you said, came in number six. We played them really tight. And then you look at the schedule, it's just like, just more heavy hitters coming. I mean, you still have Syracuse, North Carolina, Penn State, Hopkins, Maryland um, to start conference play right off. Like, it's just all the top teams. It's kind of like major college basketball at the beginning of the season where all the best teams play each other because they're just trying to get a feel for each other because they know they're all going to meet each other down the road. And that's just where Northwestern is. Like, right, to your point, it's like they're not – like they're not sweating this Notre Dame loss. They're trying to get a look at a team like Notre Dame because there's a good chance they're going to meet that team in the NCAA tournament. So yeah, these teams are all swinging at each other and feeling each other out at this point. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Saturday night uh, at home against Syracuse at Ryan Fieldhouse. Uh, Sunday, March 1st against Stanford. Um, that's a noon uh, start. And then the week from a week and a day from that, uh, Monday, March 9th at home against North Carolina. So next three games coming up for lacrosse, uh, a little bit spread out. I know we're getting pretty close to the end of uh, winter quarter. So yeah, they're trying to schedule around finals and whatnot. So, um, and, and you don't really get as many games packed. Well, I, early in the season, you don't get nearly as many games packed in as you do, uh, once you get back from, uh, from spring break. Uh, things definitely start to happen a little bit more frequently. So. Um, yeah, Syracuse, Syracuse ranked number seven for what it's worth. So it's a number six versus number seven matchup. Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll be good if you're around and want to go see a game in the palace of Ryan Fieldhouse, uh, seven o'clock is, is, is the start for that. So, uh, definitely go check them out. Um, turn our attention to the diamond as pitchers and catchers have reported in, uh, Florida and, Arizona for Major League Baseball. You've got uh, baseball and softball for the Cats getting underway. 
Um, softball off to a bit of a rough start, uh, but we'll, we'll kind of get into that uh, a little bit. You know, started off with a tournament out in uh, Tempe, Arizona, uh, where they lost to Utah, Tennessee, and Arizona State. Uh, Tennessee number 12, Arizona State number 22. Uh, they beat Seattle and Portland State uh, to go two and three in the Kajikawa Classic. Um, then they went down to St. Petersburg uh, for the ESPN Clearwater St. Pete Tournament, where they lost to Georgia and Virginia Tech, uh, Georgia number 15 in the country. They beat Kansas, and then they beat number five, Florida State, uh, six to two. Um, so starting up the season, four and five, uh, you know, it's, it, it's obviously not the start that they were hoping for. Um, you know, Danielle Williams had 5.4 ERA just to start off the season, one and three, uh, her record, uh, definitely not the complete and utter domination that we saw from her last season. Plenty of reasons for that. I mean, she, she'll be just fine. Like, let's not get worried about Danielle Williams, like, becoming a bum here. Uh, she'll be, she'll be fine. It's, it's early in the season and we're playing some really, really quality opponents. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the key, um, the, the key right there. You know, last year, I believe early on, we had two, we had, a, we had a doubleheader against Oklahoma, I want to say. Um, and, and the Cats got thumped pretty bad in that. And then we had a really tight game against Washington. And that was about it. Like, we didn't play a lot of other top, top teams. It's funny. I tweeted on um, on Friday night after that Georgia loss, like, like dang, another like it, the game was close, and then just got away from the Cats late, right? But like another another tough loss against a really good team, and and, and I said like, hopefully, you know, these opponents early on and, and the experience playing them is going to pay dividends down the road because you know we know we know that this team is stock. We've talked about the super sophomore class, right? Uh, you know Williams and, uh, and 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 I'm forgetting all the other names right off the top of my head here, but um, all all those players that were freshmen last year that that were so good, and they're coming back, you know, to to try and and repeat what they did that last season and build on it. That's not always easy, right? Um, and you're up against tough tough teams, you know. But the idea is that you hope that this pays off in conference play later on, and that you know they're really strong. Uh, in conference, and we'll, we'll we'll compare and contrast Northwestern to, to Minnesota and Michigan in a minute, um, which have some different views there. But but then to come back and win that Florida State game, like that that's your chickens coming home to roost, right? Of of this is your fourth crack at a top, you know, third crack at a top fifteen team, um, the top ranked of of all these these squads, and uh, the, the the Cats, you know, beat them six to two. Williams with with, with only giving up two runs. It was a really strong performance. The second baseman really, really led the charge offensively uh, for Northwestern. I'm, and, and my page won't load right now, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm failing on some of my my journalistic duties here. But, but point being, like this, the, this is why you play these types of teams um, early on in the year to to get a feel for them. And 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 um, Rachel Lewis uh, was was was. Uh, was an offensive force uh, against Florida State, et cetera. But, um, but this is you know this sets the Cats up for for later in the season when they get in the conference play and are going head to head against you know Michigan, Minnesota, et cetera, et cetera, and can lean back on this experience against tougher squads. For sure, one of the things that we saw last year too was that again we talked about that our bats did just fine in the Big Ten against the top competition. It was a little bit, you know, we were hoping to win pitchers' duels, and it's been kind of the same thing. Again, against this really challenging early schedule, the bats have kind of yet to come alive. I mean, you got like Nikki Cuckran is having some trouble right now, Maeve Nelson, Morgan Newport, Jordan Rudd, and, and as you mentioned, Rachel Lewis have been as advertised. Um, and Williams has been hitting okay, but ultimately, like, you know, we... We don't we don't so much care what Williams does behind the plate. Um, she's she's doing just enough on the mound. But um, kind of with all that said, just for a dose of perspective, I mean everything Scuzz said is true. Like it's you're trying to get something out of all of these tough games. You saw it bear fruit against Florida State. Just for anyone who's wondering, Minnesota's only five and four right now, and they're basically 
either at they were either at both or at one of the same kind of showcase events that Northwestern has been at. Um, obviously, they don't play each other until conference season, and that's deliberate. But Minnesota's played a lot of the same opponents that we have, and they're having just as rough of a road. These are good teams that Northwestern is playing away. I mean, that Northwestern and Minnesota are playing away from home, and combined, the two teams are nine and nine right now. And then you look at Michigan, who is nine and zero right now. Michigan's they that nine and zero includes a win over Florida, which that's awesome for them. Northwestern's win against Florida State is better than Michigan's win against Florida. Michigan's next best game is against North Carolina, the twenty fifth ranked team in the country. Their other seven opponents were not ranked. Minnesota and Northwestern are playing a much higher level of competition at this point in the year, and they're taking their lumps. But exactly, it's like, those are the lumps that are going to matter. This is the long view. These teams know that when they get to Big Ten play, it's going to be the three of them duking it out and then probably running roughshod over everyone else. And it's about what comes after that. And I think Minnesota and Northwestern are... You know, again, they'd, they'd like to have the bats come alive a little bit more, but they're looking long-term here, not short-term. Uh, one name to keep an eye on, uh, freshman Gracie Huff, uh, batting four seventeen uh, for the year. She's only played in five of the eight games, um, but uh, six runs on five hits, three walks uh, so far. Her, her on-base percentage is, 50, is 533, um, slugging 583. So uh, someone to keep your eye on. Um, you know, we said, you know, a lot of these, you know, incoming freshmen, we didn't know a lot about, and that's one name to kind of keep on your radar as, as we move forward. Um, so what, one, one other name while we're at it is Sydney Supple. Um, we talked about her in the off season as an incoming freshman, um, who was super, super well regarded and was going to be, uh, you know, an add to the staff. Um, she's only pitched six innings, but she is leading the staff with a 1.17 ERA right now. So, uh, you know, Supple got her first start um, uh, last weekend and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, uh, we see, we'll see how she performs, right? Um, it's early, but, but the, the, the reality is we've got Wilkie and Williams who did the lion's share of, of starting last year, plus Weingartner, who was, you know, uh, big time in relief last year and is already, you know, demonstrating excellence in that role again this season. She's number two with a 1.68 ERA. And then you add Supple as, as, um, kind of a fourth arm that I feel like we almost didn't have last year. So uh, that's another kind of exciting development to watch as, as the season progresses. Yeah. I mean, coming up um, this weekend, uh, we're heading to Palm Springs, California for the Mary Nutter classic, uh, where we're going to see Auburn, the aforementioned Florida Gators uh, coming in at number seven. We got number 15, Oregon, Long Beach state, and then number two, Washington. So, Three more top 15 teams that we're looking at uh, coming up here this weekend. Man, oh man. This is is what it's like, the life of a top 25 softball team. Welcome to the jungle, ladies. But uh, you're you're ready for it. And then uh, the next weekend, going down to Norman, Oklahoma, for the Oklahoma Invitational with North Texas, Oklahoma, and Abilene Christian. You've got the Louisville Invitational uh, with Oakland, Evansville, and Louisville uh, coming up in the first weekend in March uh, before coming back uh, to start the Big Ten season uh, March 20th with a three-game set against Michigan State. So that's kind of the the near the rest of the non-con or mo- rest of most of the non-con for the Cats as we get into uh, into the spring. So it's early, but I want to start talking it up now. Uh, April 10th, 11th, and 12th, the Cats host Michigan. Mm. May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, the last three games of the season, the Cats host Minnesota. The, folks, those are the times to go see this team play. Those are going to be really, really exciting and tense series against the other two best teams in the Big Ten. And, uh, yeah, buckle up. Yeah, May 2nd, Saturday afternoon, 4 o'clock. I mean, that, that would be a fun one. You'd probably... Head up through a little tailgating before the game, uh, early, early, late afternoon game, and then uh, have some fun uh, the rest of that evening. That that could be one to circle uh, on on the calendar. Absolutely, something, something to think a- about. Absolutely, and don't think again. 
Minnesota, Michigan, those are the games they're circling also. These three teams, they know what the pecking order is. It's it's those three teams, and they're all going to be just throwing haymakers at each other. And right now, right, it's like you can expect that Northwestern's going to give as good as they get over this next stretch that includes just a slew of powerhouse teams. Um, Northwestern's going to take some lumps, and they're going to give out some lumps too. And then they're going to get into the conference schedule and just start destroying everybody. So it's it all matters, um, and there's so many big games on the on the tap for the ladies. Uh, baseball just getting started. Uh, they are one and two on the season, uh, taking uh, losing two out of three uh, against Omaha uh, out there in Glendale, Arizona um, this this past weekend. Uh, heading down to Columbia, South Carolina for a three game set against South Carolina. They got uh, three games at South Florida um, before a little uh, early March game against UIC. We'll see if that one actually happens uh, Tuesday evening, early March in Chicago. We'll see. Um, Then uh, back on the road for uh, some games against Western Carolina and South Carolina Upstate. That gets us uh, into the middle of March for, uh, for baseball. Before we go, um, let's talk a little XFL here, guys. Uh, you know, week two in the books. Um, definitely seeing some, uh, some fun things coming out of Seattle where you've got the, uh, the three Wildcats, uh, playing defense. Cal Cairo <laughs> with a game, kind of the game clinching interception on the Hail Mary that, uh, Tampa Bay was trying to throw up to try and, uh, potentially tie the game yeah um and if and if you say oh well it, you know it would have just gone to overtime they had to convert a touchdown and a two-point conversion three you can go points. for three in the, X- three in the point xfl conversion. so um so that was absolutely a, a game preserving uh, interception by Cairo. i want to point out uh godwin with four tackles mm-hmm. jordan thompson three tackles one sack one tfl my goodness uh and then Cairo with a, with a tackle and two passes defensed to go along with his pick so I mean, the Cats are getting solid playing time and, and, and absolutely contributing for Seattle. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'll be honest, I know nothing else about what has happened in the XFL save for one other highlight that we're going to talk about in a second. And this it reminds me of when I visited Japan in the mid-aughts and baseball highlights, like MLB baseball highlights in Japan were literally just the at bats of the Japanese players, and that was it. Like, like sometimes you didn't even find the final score of the game. Like, you got to watch Ichiro hit, and you got to hit, watch the second baseman for the White Sox hit, and a couple other players, and that was it. That is my engagement with the XFL right now. I am just watching these four cats. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, l- let's not forget Flynn Nagel uh, playing for the Dallas Renegades. Um, two catches for 13 yards uh, in their win against Los Angeles. But uh, he was uh, returning some, returning punts and kicks, and kind of getting on the uh, official XFL Twitter feeds highlight reel uh, with his uh, with his returns. Yeah, he had that one really nice one where they called him out for his speed, and he kind of tweeted back the what did he say? Like the stopwatch must be broken or something like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> a little self deprecation there. Yeah, um, but kind of my takeaway again, it's like. Flynn was never slow. I wouldn't call him the fastest guy in the world. I mean, again, my big takeaway from watching that highlight is he is viewed on that team as one of their top playmakers. And it's part of it is speed, but part of it is just ability to make moves and make cuts and make plays, which are all things Flynn Nagel did in spades when he was at Northwestern. But you look at a guy and you're like, yeah, he seems to be like their top slot guy. He's their punt returner, like he is a huge factor in the offense. Um, someone who, you know, really factors into everything that they can do and someone who that they're definitely leaning on. So, yeah, when you couple that with everything that um, the Cats bring to Seattle on the defensive side of the ball, there's a lot to follow in the XFL if you're a Northwestern fan. And let's not forget uh, Hunter Nicewander punting for D.C., that's all I have to say about that, really. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> hey, th- punting and uh, doing kickoffs. Yeah. Not, not really par- hearing his name much, but, you know, DC Dude. is 2-0 uh, and, oh and looking really good doing it. Doing kickoffs and wondering if he's going to be 
on the field the first time a guy actually emerges from the other side of that wall of people that lines up from I keep waiting for that to happen and one of my first thoughts is if a guy ever gets through that he's basically just going to be one-on-one with the kicker and I just I'm waiting for that to happen for the first time and see if Hunter tries to make a play there but uh but yeah he'll always be the first guy to ever touch a XFL football so yeah fun times for Northwestern the XFL yeah, three punts, uh, average 42.7 with a net of 34.7. And, I and no now, idea now, now you've heard <laughs> as, as many, as many punting statistics as we've ever had on this podcast. Yeah. And, and thanks to XFL rules, I have no idea if any of those are good or what any of it means. No idea. Uh, but it's fun. I mean, it is, is this like the best quality football out there? No, it's not, but it, it's, it's football. Uh, you're getting it on ABC, Fox, and ESPN, uh, and FS1. So you're, you're getting, you're able to watch. I don't think they're going to go out of business in the middle of the season. I'm not with Vince McMahon's money behind it. Um, so I mean, you can feel pretty confident that you're going to be able to watch football, you know, all the way. And like the championship game is the day after the NFL draft. So. That's kind of an interesting way that they set that all up, but uh, yeah, it, it it it's a good time uh, this week. You've got uh, Houston and Tampa Bay, Dallas and Seattle. Huh. so you got um, the Renegades and the Dragons going. Uh, four of the five Wildcats will be playing that game Saturday afternoon uh, at five o'clock Eastern on Fox. So uh, tune in; should be fun. Let's- See Flynn Nagel running slants over the middle into Cairo country. That should be pretty interesting. Pretty interesting thing to see. Yeah, just waiting for Godwin to light him up once, right? Right. <laughs> uh, anything else before we get out of here tonight, guys? Uh, not a lot. We are we are hoping to have um, an exciting guest on next week to talk about uh, some of his um, preparation for the professional ranks. If that, if that all works out, um, that'll, that'll be pretty fun. Um, but, uh, but yeah, nothing, you know, it's a, it's a heavy spring sports night right now. Right. We're just riding the ladies basketball to the finish line here. And then, uh, yeah, kind of still continuing to monitor all, everything that's got to get sorted out in, in lacrosse and softball and we'll, we'll keep bringing it to you as it keeps coming well that'll just about wrap it up for tonight head to our website westlawpirates.com where you can leave comments and questions find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Pirates, and you can always email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern Athletics and look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter especially the fourth for John Lacombe and Eric Scasby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.